Hey friends, it's Kelsey Kemp, here to inspire and guide you as you answer the call. Tune in each week to hear me illuminate the biblical truth of what a calling actually is and how to find yours so you could create a career worthy of hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. You won't just be hearing from me though. Some of the most incredible and purposeful people I know will be joining me to tell you their story of how God called them into careers that honor who they were made to be. So their work is now creating generations of ripple effects for the glory of God. Y'all ready? Okay, let's go. All right, happy Tuesday. It is time, as you know, as you're listening right now, here's another episode. So that was dumb. Anyways. I never know what to say. Someone help me. But um, all right. So this week's uh, interviewee, this week's guest is, if you can believe it, both a music therapist by day. Whoa. How cool. (laughs) Right? Uh, I didn't know that job existed until I met Emily. And I was like, wow, that sounds awesome. Um, And then MBA student by nights and weekends about to graduate this December. Also by all weekend, I guess, <laughs> uh, worship leader at our church. And then, um, however else she fits this in, uh, side hustling on her Instagram at the side Brussels, which is so precious with, uh, health coaching and other shindigs, cool stuff. Uh, so Emily Morris is the gal that I'm talking about and her path to finding her calling and following it I think is such a interesting and different perspective than what has been shared so far on the podcast in that she is one of those unicorns that in the 10th grade knew that she wanted to be a music therapist and then lo and behold it happened it was a pretty linear path as you'll hear um she stuck with it and she's been uh, a music therapist for seven years now and still loves it so yeah kind of a unicorn in that capacity so it might sound here's what i want you to kind of watch out for is that might make it sound like it was just hey I decided what I wanted to do, and then I did it, and now I have a career that I liked, and just because it feels good, and I like it, and I believe in God, then I'm going to call it a calling. And that is not the case, my friends. You'll hear through her story that though it looks linear and like it's just a few simple decisions and a stick with it attitude, she has wisdom to share about how she made those decisions faithfully. And she was always seeking what is God's will always above her own. So I think that that's just such an interesting point to point out (laughs) and to have shared on this podcast is this is someone who has a story that, yeah, it it looks linear, but it does not mean that she didn't discern her calling just like uh, we're encouraged to do in the scriptures by seeking God's will above our own and to desire to genuinely be of service first to God and then to others. So, I'm excited to hear what y'all think about this one. I certainly loved my time. You're going to hear lots of laughs and fun times. But 
Before we get into this interview, I have an exciting announcement. The Called Career Mastermind is open for enrollment. So what that, excuse me, it is the group coaching program that I started this past summer that the first graduating class finished with much success. So I thought, let's do round two. Let's do a fall cohort. And this time, plot twist, we're doing it online. So that means that we're doing Zoom uh, group conferencing calls so we could all see each other and meet, air quotes, face-to-face, but you could do it, obviously, from wherever you're at, so you don't have to be a local to Austin to get the help that you want. So if you feel like, wow, I really wish that I could specifically discern my calling, understand what the heck that is, have a personal mission statement that sticks with me despite like whatever my job title is or whatever my task is, I know with conviction who God made me to be and what he put on my heart to do specifically. And then you are equipped after that to know um, uh, before the end of the group program what specific career paths or career paths are aligned with that calling. And then not only that, you will also have a action plan. So you know exactly how you are going to leave the Call to Career Mastermind and go make things happen. So if you so choose, literally by Thanksgiving, which is not as far away as you would think, you are going to be telling your Aunt Patty, your Uncle Gary, No, I'm actually doing great, and I know what I'm going to be doing. I'm making a career pivot. I'm really excited about it. Can you imagine that happening? Pretty exciting. So um, this is going to be a seven-week program in which we will have weekly calls, uh, about an hour and a half each, and um, you're going to get to vote on what times are convenient for you, and we'll arrange a time that's best. And if you can't make a call, you'll get a recording of it and absolutely get the opportunity to have anything that you wanted to bring up or any questions you would have had if you were there answered. So nobody misses out. And after the seven weeks, oh, also I should mention, it's only open to seven people. So this is going to be a very close-knit group in which there is um, a high amount of individual attention paid to each person. Um, And I could say from experience from the first uh, Call to Career Mastermind group that happened this summer in Austin, one of the most special parts that I heard from students about their experience was they said, I absolutely absolutely loved the content, so purposeful, brought up a ton of things that I had never thought of before. I now have this mission statement that really motivates me through my day. Um, But not just that, they said, actually, one of the most special parts was the deep deep community that was created from this group that met together every week for seven weeks. Um, By the end, they would be stopping each other, like doing my job basically and saying, whoa, wait, 
here's what I know to be true about you. I just want to encourage you in that. They would be like discerning for each other, building one another up, celebrating together every single week. Like literally from week two, we had things to celebrate, like breakthroughs from the beginning, doors opening wide open for people, crazy stuff. So it is so special to experience uh, the called career framework that I've created in this group format. Very, very special to say the least, but I don't want to hold you up any more from the interview. So I want to just leave it at this. If you have any further questions, you could visit kelseykemp.com slash mastermind. That link is also in the show notes or the details of this podcast. It's also in my Instagram bio link. So easily accessible, just one tap away. And that page, which is also so pretty, by the way, I love creating my website. Um, if I do say so myself, it has all the information that you would need. Has check out especially the FAQ section so you get all your questions answered. And I'm also offering free 30 minute consultations where we'll have an objective conversation. Is this or is this not the best resource for you? And I'm there to serve. If there's anything I know of better that better suits your needs or your situation at this time, I will let you know of it. But I offer that as a resource so you could be absolutely sure and confident in your decision, whatever that is. Make sure to do all this and enroll by October 8th, which is just around the corner next week before we start this mastermind October 10th. And this is the last mastermind opportunity that I'm opening before mid-2020. So make sure that this fall, even before Thanksgiving, you are feeling, whoa, I understand my calling and I am all fired up and ready to go. How exciting. So make sure to take that opportunity now. And as I promised, I'm going to go ahead and let you enjoy this interview. Adios. Emily Morris, do you have a middle name? Ruth. Ruth. Is there a story with that? I think it was my great grandmother's name. Oh, okay. I used to tell people that I was named after Babe Ruth. Oh. I lied a lot. Okay. How did that come to be weeded out of your life. Mm, Lying, that's like, <laughs> what? Like the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Holy Spirit. Oh, uh, okay. Other natural question. I could go down that line. Where were you born? Florida. Florida. Okay. How about this? 15 second, what do you do? Who are you? Yeah. What you up to? Emily Ruth Morris. Yes. It's who I am. Great. I was born and raised in Florida. Um, Jacksonville and Orlando. My parents mm. currently live in Orlando. And then I went to Florida State University for college. So literally the vast majority of my life has been in Florida. I am 30 years old. 30 and flirty. Um, We have these t-shirts that say 30 dirty and hiking that my best friend made for me and my family (laughs) for our 30th birthday trip out to Big Bend. Um, But yes, based on the 30 flirty and thriving. That's so sweet. So great, sweet. Great movie. Yeah. Um, what? What do, do? what do you do? Yeah. Okay, so um, I'm a music therapist, a board certified music therapist. Mm, okay. I have a specialization in neurologic music therapy. Oh, you're going to have to explain that later. Oh, I will. It's <laughs> fascinating. Um, but I have been in Austin, Texas now for about seven and a half years. And I moved out here for this job. I graduated mm. college, was ready oh. to get out of Florida, try something new, um, was ex- breaking out. Yeah. I'm breaking free. Exactly. 
was that the high school musical song? Yeah, I decided to discontinue before anyone could really pick that up. Because I'm like, do I want to put that out there? Um, I think you should always put that out there. Okay. Um, But I wasn't sure if it was another song that it was. (laughs) No, you got it. You got it. Great. Uh, And Troy Bolton. Um, Side note, I'm also in love with Zac Efron. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's cool. How's that going? It's... He doesn't quite know I exist yet. That's going to have to be the first step. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, no, so I graduated college in 2011 mm-hmm. and was just ready for something new and um, applied all over the world. Like, I Wait, like, what I was the craziest anywhere. location that you applied to? I don't think, oh, I'm sorry. I don't think I have any crazy mm-hmm. locations. You're like all over the world, like Lafayette, Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, but I'm honestly, when the person that came out was this place, like in uh, hospice in Kansas. Oh, gosh. Which, isn't crazy, but would not have been enjoyed. It wasn't like a cool Kansas mm-hmm. city either. There are like cool cities in Kansas. I'm not hating on that, but it was like, not one of them. I don't even know the name of it. That's like how, but they had a music therapy program, which is significant. Yeah. Um, and there's also some places in Iowa. There's a place in Baltimore that was really mm-hmm. cool. That I really wanted to, I was really considering a season hospice up there. Um, and then I applied to a few different, um, my sister was living in mm. Cambodia at the time, what? and so I had applied to some places in um, uh, Southeast Asia. Okay, that would be the answer to the craziest I guess, place. I can't, this was like eight years ago, I can't even think of like what cool place <laughs> it was, so I guess yes, I could have took the country. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Man. It's okay. You're right. So um, the craziest place I applied was Southeast Asia. Okay, <laughs> perfect. We'll just edit back to that. Yeah, yeah. Just put that in Wait. the... Emily, yes, you are a super like busy lady. You got a lot of plates spinning, meaningful plates spinning. I really think so. And how I came to know you was through church mm-hmm. and you introducing my well, mostly my sister um, to this thing called discipleship. That we we're like, what that? I just prayed the sinner's prayer. You know, I think I was five, and I'm good. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, um, and it ended up literally changing our lives and having obviously an eternal uh, impact as well and so with that obviously you have a lot of your life is lived in um in acts like community that we have at church and you do a lot of things there that I want you to get into and it so all to say I'm just wanting to introduce this topic that you're someone that doesn't just have work that even work that's meaningful to you you have that too and then just go home and watch Netflix you have a lot going on and you're in school so talk a little bit about all the things you got going on in life yeah so can I like rewind real quick I think like having a base of like how I grew up Mm. might be helpful for people to understand my mindset a little bit just real quick I grew up in a very close-knit family Mm. and my parents um, loved God, mm. and I was raised in a family that prioritized that um, above career, above, mm. um, like, my siblings and I were all really into sports and mainly soccer, but I remember mm. not really um, doing a lot of the, the higher level traveling sports mm. growing up because of it taking us away from, like, our community, mm. and not about, like, gotta be at church on Sunday, can't. Mm travel and play soccer like not like that wear those ankle length skirts man exactly but just I remember it being the priority of like 
would this take away from time we could spend as a family? Mm -hmm. Would this take away from time we spend with our community? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I just remember that always being the priority was family. Mm -hmm. My parents' priority was each other. It was God and each other mm -hmm. and then us kids. Um, and the church. And, and it was something I didn't realize how mm -hmm. special it was until I got older and met other families and realized yeah. that they didn't function that yes. same way, you know, and you're like, oh, not everyone does this. That's and how I say, like, growing up to me is literally just a process of learning that not everybody thinks like you think, right. likes everything you like, agrees with everything you that's agree with. Family. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I feel yeah. like it's just dismantling that as you get yeah. more years. Which is really powerful, right? Yeah. Like, you can really use that to be like, oh, like, that was a gift from God mm -hmm. or... Yeah, I just think I, um, I don't know, and it wasn't even like, it wasn't even like a, uh, I don't know, I feel like when I say this, people have this vision of what they think that looks like, of yes. this family walking around yeah. talking about God, like, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't that at all, obviously we had all, so many issues, uh -huh. that's a family, but I think it was more, um, it was more of just like an unsaid example that my parents led mm -hmm. I never felt pressure to like have a relationship wow. with God or like not from my parents I felt mm -hmm. like pressure from yeah church from other places things like that but when it came down to um, my parents it was they raised us in an environment that said you are not the most important thing on this earth you That's were put healthy. here to serve others yeah like you need to take care of yourself mm -hmm. but you were put here yeah. to love God and serve others and so that's kind of just we grew up serving as a family lots of different nonprofits that we worked with wow. um my I'm the youngest of four and so I had amazing examples and my three siblings of just them doing different service projects always or in the summers going Dang. different countries and cities and just serving and I just that was the norm and so I fell into those footsteps and then while kind of just following them found my mm -hmm. own passion for service and mm -hmm. an understanding of how um when you make Jesus bigger than yourself, it mm -hmm. makes it very clear that you're called to help people. Yes. Um, uh -huh. You see all those examples in the Bible and you're like, okay, like, mm -hmm. yes, helping people find God is the end goal, but sometimes you have to help people find food and yeah. find shelter yes. and find community, mm -hmm. which God uses as a tool to lead them to him. So exactly. yeah, I think just growing up with that as an example and then being able to fall into it in my own way mm -hmm. and then, that really um, uh, has shaped every thing yeah. I do. Because if you look at, so you talked about all the million things I do. And yes. It's very true. And it's kind of overwhelming and laughable um, when I think about it because uh, I have a lot of passions. Yeah. <laughs> but they all do have a root mm -hmm. in helping people. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's not because I think like I'm just some great person that likes to help people. Yeah. It's just like that unknowingly kind of how mm -hmm. God created all my paths to link together yeah. um, in those passions. So when I was in 10th grade, I had heard mm -hmm. about from a, I went to an arts high school mm -hmm. and I had heard from, been into music my entire life, singing, playing instruments. Um, By the way, I'm really hoping that you'll break into spontaneous song oh. to demonstrate your incredible singing voice. Um, <laughs> the the issue is when I break into spontaneous song, it's usually like sarcastically. And so like, Even that I would almost be a went into the like, we're breaking free. Yeah. We're soaring. <laughs> There's not a star in heaven that we 
we can't reach. We're breaking free. Yeah, I mean, it was a great, great love. Um, <laughs> okay, thank you. That fulfilled my You could continue your story. Great. Uh, but yeah, so I grew up playing music um, and singing and all that jazz. And so mm-hmm. I ended up in a great school system with all of that and had a voice teacher one of my years in high school that um, was kind of like, hey, what are you thinking about doing with your life? Yeah. And I knew I wanted to do music. I didn't mm-hmm. want to do performance. I'd been classically trained the whole time and mm-hmm. continued to be so. And um, opera and classical voice just wasn't, my, I enjoyed it to an extent, but I knew it's not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also didn't want to teach. I was like, a lot of my friends were either going mm-hmm. per- performance route or music education. I was like, I don't want to do either of those things. And my teacher was like, have you ever heard of music therapy? And I was like, nope. No, and tell so me about it. I went home and I Googled it. And it basically was using music as a tool mm-hmm. to reach non-music goals to mm-hmm. help people with a really wide variety of diseases, disorders, issues, oh like diagnoses, like so wide. Um, and I was like, yeah, uh-huh. that's it. <laughs> it's perfect. That's exactly what I want to do. So I'm one of those very few people um, that knew what they wanted to do mm-hmm. at a young age, went to college for that, Yep. and is still doing that's incredible. The job that I got my degree in. Like literally, I feel like one of out of every like a thousand people. <laughs> and that's pretty cool. I what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you feel you know what? Scratch that. Because I just think it's more of a note to say, like, that's a gift. Wow. But also if that's I think it's if you're the 999, that's I think okay it's too. So okay. Yeah. I think I I don't even think it was lucky. Mm-hmm. that I got I'm not like oh I'm lucky I went to school and get to do it I mean it is in the sense that I didn't in quotes I'm quoting podcast world <laughs> waste time waste time but no time is wasted period yeah. like time and everything that happens in your life not in like a cliche reason mm-hmm. happens for a reason I don't mean that but mm-hmm. like we use everything we learn and everything we do mm-hmm. to lead us to where we are and where we're going. So um, I would say I just got lucky in the sense that I got to start doing what I wanted yeah. to do quicker. Yeah. How, what grade were you in? 10th. 10th. Amazing. Yeah. And so I definitely had that in my head. I was like, okay, that's what I'll do. It happened that the number one school for music therapy in the nation is going to hate was in Florida, uh, uh, Florida state. And so I was like, okay, like this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at a, around that time about, um, Later into my junior year of high school, my grandpa got really sick. Mm-hmm. And he's who, um, he was like the only other really musical person in my mm-hmm. family. And he's who got me, bought me, or he told me that I needed mm-hmm. to start playing um, instruments and singing more. Mm-hmm. And so like I got a banjo because he played oh. guitar and sang so we could do things together. And then he was the one that was like, you need to play guitar. Like you, you caught mm-hmm. on to this like so fast. And so we would just play together. He got sick with pulmonary fibrosis and lung cancer, mm-hmm. lifelong smoker. Mm-hmm. And um, he was in a lot of pain all the mm-hmm. time. And he was never much for sleeping anyways. He is a very interesting soul. And yeah, it sounds like it. And um, I had a really special connection with him that I completely mm-hmm. attribute to music. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got to really bond over that. And then in the last years of his life, like when no one really knew Kind of what to talk to him about or what to do like mm-hmm. and we would just play old old country songs and he'd teach me all these roger miller tunes oh. and um hank williams and just like old 
stuff that is completely shaped my taste in music to this day. But um, uh, I think that was my first personal experience with like how a one-on-one -on -one relationship can be enhanced yeah. through music. And that's so special yeah because oftentimes I think understandably it's either music is for me you know in mm -hmm. my earbuds whatever emotion that brings for yeah. you um but also it's for me to perform um but this relationship that's so special with music yeah. therapy is so unique and I didn't even know of it before I met yeah. you so yeah it's really special and I think of my siblings who love my grandpa my grandpa loved them like mm -hmm. nothing against that but we definitely had a bond mm -hmm. that um, was made through music. Mm -hmm. And so I think I really got to see, especially, <clears throat> excuse me, in, in that setting and end of life care and in mm -hmm. hospice, yeah. um, that how powerful music could be as a tool to help someone reconnect to their family, to help someone reconnect to their mm -hmm. life, to come to amends like at mm -hmm. the end wow. of things um, and to really create peace in a time that in our society is we don't deal with death very well and we don't talk about no. death and um so to so that from there on I kind of got really passionate about end-of-life care with music mm -hmm. therapy and so that's what I ended up focusing on in school mm -hmm. and doing my internship in in hospice and so mm -hmm. when I was applying all over the place I was kind of focusing on mm -hmm. hospitals and um, palliative care and hospices mm -hmm. um but I actually ended up here, which is not a hospice. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. So what is the specialty you're in now? So I'm not in a specialty. Or technically, I did say that earlier. I do have my specialization in neurologic music okay. therapy. I can explain that a little bit. But here at the Center for Music Therapy huh. in Central Austin, that's my Absolute advertisement, <laughs> advertisement plug, um, was the first for-profit music therapy program mm -hmm. in the nation. And oh. we're about to celebrate 30 years. Heck yeah. So yeah. Oh my gosh. So many what? aligning things. <laughs> yeah. And um, yes. So it is a private practice that doesn't specialize. We see everything from neonatal, itty bitty babies, all the way to geriatrics and life care hospice. Um, every diagnosis from autism, Down syndrome, cerebral mm -hmm. palsy, into depression, anxiety, bipolar, mm -hmm. trauma, PTSD, Dang. adults with um, developmental disabilities, um, adults with neurologic disabilities, children with neurologic disabilities, like wow. Parkinson's, traumatic brain injury, stroke, I can keep going, Wow! <laughs> but it's literally everything, um, which was something that really drew me to out here um, mm -hmm. within the music therapy, well, stretching this on longer within the music therapy world there's usually specializations mm -hmm. usually are working somewhere that focuses on an area focuses on a diagnosis or focuses on a method of treatment mm -hmm. so similar to psychology how there's like psychodynamic and behavioral yeah. and cognitive and those different areas mm -hmm. what when i first started talking to the owner here hope young she um emphasized very quickly that they do client-based therapy mm -hmm. so it is whatever the client needs if they need a neurologic approach mm -hmm. we give a neurologic approach wow. if they need a cognitive approach we do that if they need behavioral mm -hmm. they need psychodynamic it's You're not about us it's not about what we're comfortable with and yeah. that's why they only hire therapists here that are mm -hmm. capable of yeah you have to be really versatile yes. obviously and that excited me because it, i knew it wouldn't get boring mm -hmm. i mean i've been able to be here for eight years mm -hmm. i can generally genuinely say like it's not boring. Like, not boring. Other issues that That's I have amazing. in life, but yeah, not boring. Um, 
Yeah, so you get a really wide variety of people. Um, and I still get to do some hospice work mm -hmm. and end of life care, um, but I also get to do all of it. Yes, I. this is a very unique story in that you've acknowledged it's rare to have this very linear, um, consistent path of when I was young, 10th grade even, saying, I want to do this. And then more or less, even though you thought I'm probably wanting to specialize in end of life care, you still get to do a bit of that and all the yeah. other long list of things. And so it seemed like everything has worked out for you. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're laughing and I knew that saying that out loud, yeah. it usually, it brings up I don't know the truth that yeah. whose path is really linear. So has there, how have your, has your perspective of being called by God been woven through this story if it has, or has it all been open doors and logical decisions? Right. That's an interesting question because so something about me, um, I'm, I have prioritized um, spiritual disciplines yeah. in my life, uh -huh. um, and I really have learned to value the value of discipline. I guess that's redundant, <laughs> but um, and so for the vast majority of my adult life, I have really worked to be a disciplined person. Mm -hmm. um, some people might say it just comes on naturally, more natural for me. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, and that could be true, but it's also something that I really worked on. Yeah. Um, and the kind of like, the, not negative, but like the flip side of that is I, I do, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it, Yeah. which makes it really difficult to know when you should stop doing yeah. something. Sometimes it's good to discontinue mm -hmm. or quit. That's but, like right, but in my mind, like, oh, if you ask people, the Morris family motto is Morris is never quit. Oh, it's not so sticky. It can be. And, and the, the part behind it, all for it. But yeah, when yeah. you have that ingrained in your brain, you're like, well, I said I was going to do music therapy in 10th grade. I guess this is what I'm doing for the rest yes. of my life. Next 80 years got them played right. out. Which is not how I was raised at all in the sense that my parents have always instilled in us the feeling whatever you want mm -hmm. you just have to do it with your full heart mm -hmm. and yeah. if you decide you want to do something else go do something else if you decide you don't like that anymore you go do something mm -hmm. else but whatever it is you do it fully yes um and you do it as if you're doing it for the lord mm -hmm. don't be on the fence right be like two yes. steps behind or two steps so forward. it's definitely exactly so it's definitely been a balance of fighting my desire to like be disciplined and just do the thing forever yeah. with also being in tune with like, okay, but what am I supposed to be? Yeah. yeah. So I kind of hit a point a few years ago where I could feel that mm. something needed to change. I didn't know what it was. I knew I loved what mm. I am doing. Yeah. So yeah. I knew it wasn't like, um, not being a music therapist, mm. but I also was very aware that it could be something in addition to music therapy or whatever. And I've yeah. always been, um, a very just like mathematically minded person. I like numbers. I like um, business and the concepts of all yeah. of that. And the psychology behind it. Heart. I just love it. I think it's fascinating. Um, and so it kind of hit me. I was like, oh, I could get my MBA. Like, yeah, that like, would just throw that on top. Yeah, like that could. I, I knew I didn't want to go back to school for my master's in music therapy. Mm -hmm. I, if I went back to school, it was going to be something mm -hmm. to 
kind of um, enhance or are mm-hmm. doing in some way. Yeah. Um, and then I'm like, also, if I ever choose to do something else in my life, like an MBA, generally is going to be helpful. It's going right? to help, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, honestly, like, I wish I could say I spent, like, time on my knees in prayer and, yeah. like, decide. But, but it honestly, it just, like, I said it mm-hmm. and it resonated. Yeah. And I'll, at, like, the timing of everything I've lined up, like, I could take the MCAT. Is that what it, nope, nope. <laughs> no, it's GMAT, I think, right? I don't know, you took it out. I medical school. <laughs> That's next. GMAT. That's so great. I'm, I'm working on my impact yet. It's still, yes. don't worry about it. Yeah, so GMAT was that one. Um, I knew I wanted to take that because it was more math-based, and so um, obviously letters aren't my thing. <laughs> but numbers are. Yeah, so I, um, uh, yeah, so I, the timing to, like, take that, and then get in all semester. Like it all just like it worked out. Yeah. Worked out. And I was like, why not? And I decided to go to Texas State University mm-hmm. because it was um a lot more inexpensive. It was a really great program. I went out and checked it out. And um I also could get more scholarships there. Mm-hmm. And um and uh yeah, it just I knew for what I was doing with my MBA and in life, it wasn't really going to matter necessarily where I got yeah, it from. Just that there, you got it. Right. There are people that care whether you got it from Harvard or from yeah. Pennsylvania or like whatever. Um, but within like the music therapy world or within this area, oh, I knew I just need the content mm-hmm. um, and I was okay with that. So that was actually good for me because I'm a very like, like I want to go to the best. The <laughs> best. best. Um, yeah, the, you yeah. already pointed out the number one music therapy program in Florida. <laughs> exactly right. So I no shade to Texas State University. No. They're a great school. No. They're not the number one business school. That's in okay, the and that's okay. They don't need to be. Not everyone could be number one. Yeah, they're kind of like that's, that's totally true. Uh, uh, yeah. So ended up. Just, I'm actually graduating in December in three years. Yeah, of doing, doing it on nights and weekends. Nights, yeah. That's working full time and doing the nights. <laughs> and can you talk about what you do at church? Yeah, so I have the amazing honor and privilege to uh, lead the worship team at Austin Tribe. Cool. Well, I, I imagine your Google Calendar has no white space. You probably um, even have to schedule sleep. So here's the thing, and this is hard for people to believe, but like, when you are really disciplined, like mm-hmm. with your time, you have time to do the things that you enjoy. Like I don't. Uh, you're like, gonna I'm have t- to teach me. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired all the time. I think I'd be tired regardless of what I was doing. Like we fill the time we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone fills the time they have, mm-hmm. um, even if they're filling it with Netflix watching or sleeping or whatever. Like we're gonna mm-hmm. no, having more time isn't gonna give us more time. Like, does that yeah. make sense? Like we're going to fill it. And so when you get really purposeful about, okay, actually here's my thing. You have to prioritize. You have to, yeah. you have to very consciously choose what things are your priority. Mm-hmm. For me, it's, um, well, not like emotional priority, but like time priority was uh-huh. like yeah. work is mm-hmm. a priority in that yeah. sense. But always above that is going to be God, my community, my church, mm-hmm. um, and exercise is huge for me. I have a mental health disorder. Mm-hmm. And so I have to be really on top of my food and my um, exercise. Yeah, which you are. Which I am. You are hardcore <laughs> about those. I meal am prepping. because I've lived a life without being yes. intense about that. And it 
doesn't allow me to do all these other things that I want to do, right? So if you want to do these things, you got to prioritize the things that allow you to do them. Mm-hmm. Maybe the word things like join them. Anyways, go. I called it. So then anything that like comes after that mm-hmm. fills those other spaces, right? So as long as um, you know what your priorities are, like what those non-negotiables are, mm-hmm. um, I also am very comfortable saying no. Yes. I said yes in response to your no. I think that's kind of funny. <laughs> great. I'll say great. That yeah. sounds good. I'm very comfortable with it. And it's because yeah. I feel really confident with my priorities. Uh-huh. Um, and so if someone asks me to do something or to get with them or whatever, mm-hmm. if it doesn't fill within these, like, yeah. I'll say no. Um, and I think that's okay. Yeah. Wait. Okay. Yeah. Practical tip time. <laughs> I should have a a little uh I don't know yeah exactly (laughs) how can you like give us the script on saying no because I can't okay so So, what's an example of a of a friend no no that's not how simple it it is not no No, because I'm like getting armpit sweat thinking about somebody saying hey haven't seen you in forever can we please uh I don't know go to dinner on Wednesday night, is that a scenario that might not fit your, um, yeah, I don't know. Okay. If that was a scenario, what would you say? Cool. So, um, I think a couple things first, (laughs) if it's someone who I have a relationship with, um, this stuff isn't new to them. Yeah. Right. So, um, that's almost really important for me when I'm building relationships is to lead with that. Like, Hey, these are my priorities. These are the kind of all the things yeah. I'm balancing. Like I want you to feel loved mm-hmm. by me. I never want you to feel not considered. Yeah. Um, but it might not always look the way that yeah. you feel like it needs to look for you. You know, just having really upfront conversations when building those mm-hmm. relationships so that it's not a surprise when you're like, so important. no. <laughs> yeah. No. Because that's, that's so huge of it. That's huge of it. Whatever. Yeah. It totally is huge of it. Huge of it. Um, because... <laughs> You give that you give yourself the space to say no when you don't feel uncomfortable about saying no. Yes. But that doesn't mean there aren't people that you don't have that relationship with that ask you of something and then you do feel uncomfortable saying so no. So whenever it's someone you don't know. Mm-hmm. So I try to see if I can pair it with something else. So you made okay. a great point. They asked about dinner. Mm-hmm. Are you gonna eat dinner anyways? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I might, since I can't really eat a lot of places, yeah. um, I might say, sure, like we could meet at this park. Mm-hmm. I bring my food or we can bring our lunches or whatever. You can pick something up and do that. Um, that makes it a more controllable time, right? Because mm-hmm. when you go out to eat, yeah, you have to wait. It's just a little longer. Mm-hmm. This might sound super heartless, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it sounds good. Um, it's just figuring out how, how you can control yeah. the parameters mm-hmm. of the time. Um, the hard part is it's, if it's when if it's someone that you just don't want to spend yes. your time. Okay. And if it's that, <laughs> tell us what you say, Emily, the tip time uh, is not over. I can't say out loud in public because then someone will know. They'll be like, uh, she said that to me. She doesn't actually want to spend time now. Oh, come on. My podcast isn't that big. <laughs> it will be silly. <laughs> um, honestly, let me, okay. Let me think. I 
I actually just had to do this recently. Um, I will, if I, okay, there's two things. First, you have to figure out if you have a legit reason for saying no. Yes. Where's your heart? Because mm-hmm. no. are you just being selfish? Uh-huh. Are you totally. just like, and there's other things I'd rather do? I'm busy, can't, sorry. <laughs> right. So once you get through that, uh-huh. um, and if you realize, like, no, like, my heart isn't the right place, mm-hmm. but I physically, like, can't give to this person. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, I can't. Yeah. Um, then I kind of just say that. Yeah. Like, I say, hey, I really appreciate you wanting to get this time with me. And that means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Have you, um, here are some other people that yes. I think might be able to help you with this. Mm-hmm. Or um, I'm just stuck in a lot of things right mm-hmm. now. And I don't think it's going to be beneficial. Um, and I just try to be honestly in all these situations. Yeah. I try to be as honest as possible. It's kind of just who I am. Yeah. And that <laughs> earnestness, that's a part of what you just said. It for some reason, just thinking about the topic of saying no to committing to an evening or like a discipleship relationship, whenever you are just honestly jam-packed and you're not going to be able to pour into someone, it, like I said, just give me, it gives me like the palm sweats a little yeah. bit, but whenever you are so honest and not shady or like, no, I just, I can't, I'm busy. Like you gave a very honest, explicit reasoning in um a tone of service too like I really think it's going to thank you first off and I appreciate that I think that for you it's going to be more beneficial and then you give them like real options why don't you talk to this person or this person yeah. or this resource depending on what they're coming to with blown off before mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't, doesn't feel good no, not at all no. and you can tell when someone like actually just doesn't want to hang mm-hmm. with you yeah and that's part of life too you yeah. get blown off that's like okay. you gotta learn how to deal with it totally but when you realize that you like someone someone's asking you for time or that's vulnerable mm-hmm. even if it doesn't it seem like a you could time yes it's okay like i'd love to see you i'd love to hang out like yeah. that's a vulnerability like they're uh-huh. opening themselves up to that um and so if you just like recognize that you have control for a moment of like how they leave that conversation um yeah and i think it goes back to the priorities like if it's someone from your community if it's someone who's trying to find god or if it's like you know like mm-hmm. um the other thing i'll do is like try to when i do see spaces in my time mm-hmm. to kind of keep that list of people who have asked me about that yeah. and try to reach out to them or be more purposeful about texting them maybe yeah. i can't have time mm-hmm. but like um texting them like hey i'm thinking about you how are things going or i drive a lot because school i go to school from round rock so yeah. realizing that phone time is yeah totally that's what you, oh i do that yes right and so it's just kind of getting a bit more creative when you have all these things you're passionate about and trying to do all of them you gotta mm-hmm. get creative with that time yeah. and how to not um lose the other things that are more mm-hmm. like it's just hard me like, things yeah about. that's true i i think I just really appreciate this point in the conversation so much because I think that we live in an age where, well, I try to be aware that the podcasts I listen to, the people I'm influenced by that I don't personally know, the media I consume, uh, I try to realize that everyone is in kind of their own different microcosms. But what I tend to see a lot of is we live in a time where the most popular books are like the subtle art of not giving an F, the um, like 
different things about saying no. And I think that saying no to your point is so important, but the spirit behind it that I see all the time is you just got to do you. That's a whole nother, you got to live your best life. These are, yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe if you just do it really vigorously, they'll get like your beautiful curly hair kind of like swishing against the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Uh, And so I just think that this topic, another thing that I see is like protecting your energy and that's really important, but what is the motive behind that? I doubt it is ever service oriented. I think it's self-service oriented. Um, And so I'm glad for your uh, tip time on this. (laughs) And that concludes the session. So another thing I would like to ask about is going back to especially the time where you were talking about, hey, I feel that something needs to change. Mm -hmm. What is it? And you decide on getting your MBA. That all, again, seemed like logical decisions and doors opening and it all worked out. That's not bad per se. It's just another side to this spectrum of hyper-spiritualized, like, I'm not going to take one step until, like like I said earlier, like I hear a voice in the wind (laughs) (laughs) or I'm going to make all of my decisions based on, well, I keep on saying logical decisions, but that also includes a faithful perspective. What is best um, to help me be a better servant to others, help me to be more effective for ministry purposes what would build up the christian community what would build up like my family or all these things so um on the spectrum it seems that you have been on the side of just making faithful decisions but where did i don't want to ask a leading question maybe you could help me like (laughs) co-create this question right here i'm just trying to figure out what wisdom that you have to share with people who might like be on the other side. Mm -hmm. So something big happened. (laughs) I I wish I could give a timeline on this. Um, You know, the scripture in Matthew seven, that is about um, ask, seek, knock. Oh yeah. Like if your earthly father is able to give good gifts, Mm -hmm. then why wouldn't your godly father yeah. be able to give good gifts to those who ask for them exactly. i have struggled with that scripture as long as i think i've ever read it yeah. because i'm spoiler alert number two not a fan of the prosperity gospel no i was just i was trying to make myself not interrupt but that is one of the i would say it's what i see the most adulterated scripture yeah. of all time it's like throw away the rest of the bible take chapter seven, verse seven, that just says, ask and you will receive. And then like, go have fun. (laughs) You know, it's whatever you want. Yes. So, um, me believing that the Bible is the Holy word of God, I've been able to chalk that up to me, not understanding completely like what it is, because I know it's not the prosperity gospel. I know that that's not God's, um, desire for in the general sense for us to be like I want a pony here's a pony like that 
I knew that wasn't the case. Yeah. And I knew that wasn't what he was saying. And so mm. when I would hear people kind of use, and that was a super like yeah. elementary approach to it. I know mm. that there are people out there believing in the prosperity gospel that aren't asking for ponies. Like I get mm. that. Um, so no offense to all of all them listeners out there. Honestly, you offending Kirsten and I, whenever we were deep, <laughs> deep, deep in the new age prosperity gospel, not even a year ago is what changed my whole life. I now experience, and this is through discipleship and a godly, well, okay, discipleship. I don't want that. I didn't really know what that was before you modeled it for us. Um, but it is, well, I want you to say as well, but like studying the Bible and asking open-ended questions, not being like, Kelsey, Kirsten, like, do you, do you see this? Make sure that you line up to it. Is what do you think about this? What is difficult for you to accept? Okay, great. Let's look at other yeah. scriptures to back it up and genuinely like helping someone answer the gosh darn questions yeah. that we let fester. And then um, just helping us to lead a faithful life and dismantle the things that are untrue that we let go on in our life just because we don't understand that the Bible is authority. Like it's my authority. It's what I base my life on now. I didn't really think that it was until you showed us. Um, And anyways, all of that process is what changed the freedom that I know I now experience true freedom Mm -hmm. because I have like Jesus is my Lord. He's not just my buddy that I have to expect to be my vending machine on a day-to-day basis. Um, that's a relationship that was not intended. Yeah. Yes. Well, so then offense meant. Yeah. You shouldn't need it. (laughs) Um, no. So yeah. So thank you. I'm so grateful that, um, the spirit chose to speak through me, Mm -hmm. through those situations, through those conversations, um, that I couldn't have even thought of on my own. Um, and it's been so encouraging to watch you and Kirsten just grow and blossom. Change a whole lot. Yeah. And I mean, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Yes. Anyways, that's another podcast. That is another podcast. Um, but yeah, so going back to Matthew seven, like that's always been something that's kind of just like, similar with um uh delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart um and having to really study these things out especially i'm 30 i'm not married um i would like to be married um these are scriptures that have been used in ways with me that i don't agree with um just about like or when people finally do get married using like I delighted myself in the Lord and he yeah. gave me my Yeah, bride. exactly. Like this mm-hmm. is the prize that right. I won and, and all like, you are just in the bleachers. Like, okay, well, I really, really do think I'm delighting myself in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like first you have to kind of come, okay, is there something on my end that and you get to a place where you're like, no, like I love God. Like I am doing my darndest and there's nothing I can do anyways. Uh his grace is sufficient. Like I literally can't earn it. Yeah. Um so I'm just over here doing my thing, trying to love God the best I can. Um, and I don't have a husband. Where's my desire of yeah. my heart? Come on, baby right? machine. So between, between like Matthew 7 and, um, and, and the desire of your heart and all of that, um, 
I had to start studying this stuff out on a deeper level mm-hmm. because I was like, there's gotta be something yeah. that I'm missing. Um, and so I think just through, I wish I could remember exactly what pinpointed it, but there's a well-watered women, oh, yeah. which is a uh-huh. resource. And then she works his way mm-hmm. and, um, uh, she reads truth. Yeah. Um, they don't have to be women related. It's just so happens that we're in a time mm-hmm. in, uh, the world where, women are really killing it within, yes. <laughs> within the realm of spirituality and God. And I'm super grateful for that, for all these resources um, that are kind of questioning the way mm-hmm. things have been done. Anywho, um, uh, that and the Bible project podcast, mm-hmm. there's these yes. things I was just like, all were happening at the same time. So I can't necessarily attribute mm-hmm. what it was. Mm-hmm. And then just actually reading the Bible yeah. and amazing. Reading, yeah, right? Right? Um, <laughs> trying to dig into, um, I love digging into the Greek and trying to figure out what words actually meant and see that oh, helps. So, so scholarly. Uh, you know, on a very physical. So the, um, uh, that, uh, old, whatever you ask or, um, mm. doesn't the father know how to give good gifts mm. to those who ask for it? In Luke 11, it mm. is that same section, a similar section, but it says, um, won't the, won't your father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for it? Oh. And I was like, okay, this is the same as our story. It's the ask, seek, knock situation. Luke says Holy Spirit. Matthew says good gifts to those who ask for him. Yeah. Um, like, is this the same thing? Um, and so it started digging into what good gifts in mm-hmm. Matthew is. And, it's, and it, it is, it's um, something from God. You might not see as good mm-hmm. or bad at the moment, but it's mm-hmm. understood that it's like a divine gift, um, which kind of takes away from like a pony yeah. <laughs> or um, a job necessarily. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that whole journey of like, okay, is, is the good gift, the Holy spirit, like, we talk about you receiving the gift of the Holy yeah, Spirit. Right? Like, and that's spiritual gifts the and that spiritual. the Holy Spirit grants. Exactly. And I'm like, holy cow. Like, are these good things mm. the Holy Spirit? And it also talks about how we can ask for more Holy Spirit. And so this idea that, like, you can continually get. It's not like you're baptized, you are saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. Mm. It's this level of Holy Spirit and you're done for like, right. Like we get to engage with the Holy spirit on a number of ways and learn more about it and, and understand more of it. And, and then that led to this, um, to the idea of the gifts of the Holy spirit. And so you ask about like, so like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Mm -hmm. gentleness, um, faithfulness, self-control. Right. And it's like, what I got to this thing. I was like, what could I pray for that wouldn't be answered with more Holy Spirit in the sense of like, I was in a rough relationship at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or not rough. I, I was in a relationship. It was kind of going downhill, yeah. you know? And so you're trying to figure out like praying for this person, praying for clarity, uh-huh. whether this needs to continue, whether it needs to end. Um, and you think of like the things we pray for, like, okay, I pray for, um, for, Oh, this is what happens when I try to think of examples on top of my head, giving like people's lives away. Yeah, um, <laughs> working on not telling other people's stories and letting other yeah. people tell their own stories. So I'm going to come up with something else. So say, um, okay, say you and Kirsten are fighting a lot, yeah. um, and you're bringing it to me. Okay, like Kirsten and I like can't 
You've seen this happen. <laughs> yeah, this is totally hypothetical. This never happened. It totally <laughs> happens. Right, like, so you're like, um, so I'm in my time with God praying for you and Christian's relationship, um, praying that y'all can, can reconcile or can yeah, figure it out. Exactly. Like, the thing that would come in there would, like, which which one of the um, fruits of the Holy Spirit? Like, well, that could be a number of them. Yeah. Patience is one mm-hmm. another, love. Mm-hmm. Um, you're praying for people to find God, like, Holy Spirit, faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, you're praying, for, and not even, like, spiritual things. Where did I go in my mind? Like, I was trying to, like, think of anything. I was trying to, like, test. Yeah. Like, could I come up with something that couldn't, that wouldn't be answered? with a fruit of the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit interceding like mm-hmm. um I mean things about world peace or like the government or like all these things that we're at yeah. or like um the hurricanes that are coming mm-hmm. or all these things and I was like oh my gosh like all of these things like whether it's just changing people's attitudes about joy mm-hmm. like whether it's yeah. um kindness towards one another yeah. like which is only through the Holy Spirit whether it's self-control about how we interact with people, what we're doing with our lives, like all these things. Um, and it kind of just all started coming together. And then going back to like, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Like, what does the Bible say the desire of our heart should be? God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's yeah, like, yeah. delight yourself in the Lord and he will give himself to you. Like, and he will give you the Holy Spirit. And so it's it, so interesting. Right. And so all these things were like, oh my gosh, these good gifts, like these yeah. answered prayers, mm-hmm. like it's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's the Holy Spirit and it's many manifest, manifestations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then that just led to me realizing, okay, well then what do I pray? Like, what is it that, so since I'm not necessarily praying for him to check off my list, yeah. which there's nothing wrong with that, praying for the things that we mm-hmm. desire, I am please always everyone yeah i need to submit that to the lord absolutely loud um it's amazing and then you get to watch them happen Mm -hmm. um or not happen and get to see in retrospect like why it didn't things Mm -hmm. like that but i think what i started praying and realizing was um i need my will my desires Mm -hmm. to be in line with god's desires yes uh-huh. So that is my long-winded answer about like the whole calling versus yeah. just doing things uh-huh. logically decision-based um, and the, where those mesh yeah. to me, like where calling becomes evident. It's mm-hmm. not in this like, you need to do this. Yeah. Whisper, like, yes. go to MBA uh-huh. school. Like, yeah, I didn't exactly. hear that, uh-huh. but through scripture reading, through seeking advice yeah. um, and through prayer, mm-hmm. uh, you, and working to align my will with God yes you get to ask God like is this your will for me like you think of Jesus yes. in the garden like not as my will but as your will like yeah. please take this away but not my will your will and that's kind of been my model for figuring out what he wants me to do is like mm-hmm. putting it up there being like is this your will mm-hmm. I also don't think there's one way yeah I know. I'm actually I'm really really positive I am so certain there is not one way <laughs> quote me on it and what happens is people get super stuck yes waiting to hear the yes or the no mm-hmm. um, paralyzed in fear because yeah. of the analysis paralysis. yes analysis paralysis because of the conscious or subconscious yeah. belief that there is only one way and if you do not get on that track you will mess everything yeah. up and god doesn't work that way no god is so much bigger than us and bigger than our choices my boss actually um 
I love this. She always says, make a choice. You can always choose again. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think in my disciplined mindset, I'm like, you make a choice and you live with it for the rest of <laughs> yeah. your life. Um, and so to be able to be like, that's kind of just I've adopted that. Like when I'm like aligning myself with the will, with my will, with God's will, or God's will, with my will. No, aligning myself with God's will. <laughs> you got it. You got it. First time was right. And then realizing that like God is bigger than every single one of my choices. Yeah. And, yes. And there's always redemption. Right. So it's gonna be okay. New every morning, like it can completely. Like it's gonna be okay. So I mean, I just say to people like, make the choice, like get advice, read your Bible, and pray. Yeah, it's not just literally. Okay, I think the big distinction here is that there are action-oriented steps that you take to actively discern. Yes. Not just here's what I have done and what I have um, seen many people I know do uh, that. You want to seek God's will, just like tilt your head up and say, would you show your will to me? What is your will? And you just keep on asking that question alone in silence over and over and over and over again and not taking any steps that the Bible encourages us to take, which is be in community, um, get discernment and advice, like open-handedly say, this is what I'm thinking, not like a persuasive argument, make sure that you, um, affirm what yeah. I think um and pray and read yeah that's well so yeah I think I think that's why even when I was thinking about your questions about my thoughts on having a calling mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever really used that language yeah. because like in retrospect I'm like yeah this is absolutely like I'm I mean I'm doing what I'm doing uh-huh. right now and I'm gonna keep doing it like I feel called yeah but I've never really used that language in the sense I think I have gotten to the point of like it just being aligned mm-hmm. the will of trying yeah. to like continually every day realign my will mm-hmm. with his will obviously that gets super off track when you really really want something yes. um and but it was um yeah things kind of just present themselves I think about um me becoming um the worship leader mm-hmm. church I did not seek that mm-hmm. out I did not want it mm-hmm. um I had been a part of the worship team for a couple years and um our pastor at our church asked mm-hmm. me to take it over and my initial response was no no <laughs> not because I was good at saying no but because I didn't think I was supposed to um and he asked why and I said that I was like well I'm not sure but I feel like I'm not supposed to um I did grow up in a tradition that didn't have women um, yeah. in leadership without a man counterpart yeah and while I don't ascribe to that on uh many levels yeah, for yeah. some reason it did influence my initial response of no. And luckily we have an amazing leader who um, is like, okay, um, but I really challenge you to find out why you're saying no. Like it's okay if your answer is no and you mm-hmm. can like stick behind. Yeah, but <laughs> like know why you're saying no. And I was like, fair. <laughs> True. I agree. Yeah. I would say the same thing to someone who didn't have a reason for yeah. whatever they were sticking up for. Um, and so I had to choose, unfortunately, to like dig, not unfortunately, unfortunately, <laughs> but in the moment I was like, oh, I don't want to study this out. I've been avoiding, you know, coming, like I've been avoiding facing 
women's roles yes. in the church. That, that was me as well. It, I kind of was enjoying where I was yeah. because I didn't want to be offended. Yeah. I didn't want to have to submit all these buzzwords, you know, and I was just like, I just want to, right now I'm okay. If I read something that I don't agree with, that doesn't align with like how I think women should operate in this world and my feminist mindset, yeah. like, I don't want to have to, then uh, you know, just all of that yeah. in my head. Um, but I was like, oh, I, I do. I think this is obviously very clearly something I've been avoiding. And now I don't have an excuse to avoid it. You gotta so I dove in. Well, it was a journey. Um, and as you know, I now lead the worship team. Yeah. So obviously I got to a place and I'm still learning and we get a, a good bit of uh, flack, is that the word? Um, our church from some of our- Oh, flack? Flack. Yeah, <laughs> like pushback. Get that too. <laughs> and cut, cut us some slack. Yeah. We're getting lots of flack. Uh, oh. So <laughs> Runs with Emily. <laughs> um, yeah, of having- women in uh, leadership and yeah. so it's constantly kind of like figuring that out but the doors that that's opened um we have a conference called animate in texas yeah. uh, every year it's a worship conference and um i got to speak at it last time oh. and uh so many young like campus young professional women um that are single came up to me and were like how did you get to this place like mm. I'm in a community that I'm like, I, well, there's one woman who studied um, in conservatory, like music education. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when someone's so obviously the right person for the job, but they're not getting, like, I'm not mm -hmm. trying to like make a statement here about people getting jobs over people who deserve it. Like there's so yeah. many things you, but when someone is so obviously right for the job and yet someone is leading it, that's like not, right you're just like okay this is like too blatant what the heck but it's just in a community that's not comfortable right now with a woman leading in that sense anyway so I got to like have all these conversations and I um I could just see that it was a situation not, I'm not even saying issue but like a a thing that was going on in communities of churches where people were feeling not used and yeah. like in the way that they had these talents and gifts that they yeah. wanted to mm -hmm. give to God and they weren't being utilized you yeah. know they were not used but um and I it's hard because my answer is uh as of right now find yourself like a man in leadership that is willing to step up like for you and to kind of do that which is luckily what just happened here at trial well not just happened as if it wasn't like conscious but um yeah but that opened so many doors with like these these women and I'm um preparing to talk for the next one just the kind of a bit more about that of just like the for men and women both like of just what the bible is really saying mm -hmm. about women leadership and and I have a lot of convictions that I've built through that I don't this isn't obviously the no <laughs> that's gonna have to be to another podcast that, but um, I know because it's really important and uh yeah it's that is something that was um the topic of the woman's role in the Bible and in the church um, and whatnot, and gender roles. That's one of the things that I would say kept me the farthest away from seeing the scripture as the authority of my life. 
I didn't want to give it that power if it was going to tell me that I had to just be a little helper. So yes, that's definitely something that I've had to wrestle with and I feel in a good place about it. Um, But we're going to have to go round two on that. (laughs) So with the topic of calling, I, what word do you use? Cause you said, I never really thought of associating with that word. You know, I just kind of do what I do and I feel like it's aligned. What, what language do you use? If at all, or do you just go on about your business? I think discernment. Discernment. Yeah. It's probably like, probably a word that, yeah, I don't know. I just like, I did not grow up a very um, high emotional or intelligence IQ version, yeah. EQ, whatever. Um, but by the grace of God and 10 years of therapy with the most perfect therapist for me. Awesome. Um, actually, I was on a walk with your sister and yeah. she was like, oh my gosh, your emotional intelligence is just like so high. <laughs> and I laughed out loud because yeah. I was like, if you would have told Emily 10 years ago that like, everyone around her would be like, ah, <laughs> anyways, so that's just a gift from God, and so to be able to finally kind of, like, trust your feelings yeah. and emotions, yeah. um, but not in a really, like, willy-nilly sort of way, like, acting sure. on them, yeah. but just to be able to listen to them, listen and see what to do with it, pause, pause, discern, talk about it, see what to do, um, yeah, yeah. and so I think, like, I do feel on track, Mm-hmm. for wherever God wants me to be right now I don't know where that's on track yeah. to mm-hmm. but um I with graduation like I feel like there are going to be some opportunities for change coming mm-hmm. up and mm-hmm. um I don't know what those necessarily will be but I'm not in the slightest bit like concerned mm-hmm. like because yeah. I just know I will keep taking each day mm-hmm. um aligning my will with God's will and yeah. discerning the things that I feel and hear to yeah. figure out what is from me and my sinful mm. nature and what is from God's will and the Holy Spirit. Mm. So solid. And I really, really do appreciate your perspective on this. As, and I really treasure the opportunity to hear the words that you associate with it, just discerning and on track. I think that's an, like, do you feel on track? Are you like in terms of faithfulness and aligning your life to God's will for you? You do feel that. And it's just on a side note, like interesting for me to hear the language that people associate with this whole topic of Mm -hmm. like following your calling, being on track, discerning rightly and making good decisions Um, because it is different for each person. And I realize that not everyone associates with this language that I've kind of adopted um, purposely because I thought it was the most adulterated yeah. term I, that I really wanted to set straight. Um, no, like I think it's your calling. Great, great <laughs> it's like so thrown in the mud. Um, so I, I think so that, vague. yeah, it is so vague. <laughs> so with you, you're like this genuinely a great example of someone who has um, been done the hard work to discern and then been at peace with that in faith. And so you can say to this day, I am on track. And if I'm not tomorrow, I will discern and realign. And that's okay. Tomorrow I might not be. And tomorrow I might not be as Mm. at peace with where Mm. things, like it ebbs and flows. We are humans. We have emotions. Mm -hmm. Like 
I think the important thing is to, um, this is my favorite thing from therapy, um, for someone who is like me that thinks very logically, yes. um, if there's anyone out there that's like that, and that it's a great way to, to be, tends to uh, ignore emotions at all costs, mm-hmm. um, my therapist would always talk about how like your heart is going to keep screaming until you acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. And it's only going to get louder. It's only going to get more yeah, obnoxious. That's right. um, but also acknowledging it doesn't mean you have to do what it's telling you to do. Yeah. Right. And so like being able to just like today, I feel very clearly being able to say this about tomorrow. Like I might be trying to shove my emotions back down my throat, you know, like you just, mm-hmm. you never know. And so it's about creating that community around you mm-hmm. that is there for you when you, need it which is always and um, <laughs> which is always, always the answer it, uh, even if you think you've got it under control that's yeah. the other thing right you think i don't want it to be like well now i'm on track so i'm just gonna keep going uh, like yeah no I'm, maybe i'm Every not on track day, i don't know got but, it but you, you're not gonna know Mm-mm. no like because otherwise you would just be saying i feel okay i'm gonna keep on going huh. where the feelings uh make me think i'm okay my feelings never leave me anywhere <laughs> Mm. that's something I blatantly disbelieved (laughs) and was once again offended by like what do you mean our feelings are so important nobody knows how to use intuition around here now I'm like girl Kelsey Janikamp you cannot always rely on that there is I do believe there is a place for intuition but I don't think it's the intuition that we say it is I agree I mean it's the holy spirit prompting that lives inside of you yes so yeah again it's semantics no, I'm very cool. passionate about this but I think that's cool I think that's why it's cool that you're doing this and mm-hmm. kind of shedding light onto because I was seriously like what is my calling if you're living your calling yeah. I feel bad with, like I have a few friends that are just like I'm just be doing that. But I'm like, take one of my passions. I've got like a thousand. A thousand. Figure out what I'm trying to do. I didn't even get to talk about music therapy. I'm sorry. I was, www.center for music therapy.com. Check it out. Amazing. You can learn all about that. Give um, me a call. I'll tell you about it. <laughs> or maybe uh, they could just find you in a park and like eat some dinner really fast with you in a group setting to be most efficient. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like I could commit to that. But I think um, that this is so important. I'll say it again, just because there's um, like with this and it goes along with the work I do too, because I am not like sitting there with someone necessarily like praying and saying like, this is what you need to read. This is what you need to pray to like get the divine download. I'm so sick of hearing that. I don't know if you hear that. Like, yes, that is like the new thing in the new age. Like I just meditated. I received this download and I know my calling now. (laughs) And it's like, you better watch out about that. So I, also <laughs> take like a logical approach that this is what you've demonstrated. We didn't like talk about this so explicitly, but what you've demonstrated is a operational knowledge of your natural talents, like your voice, your, um, well, I'll keep it quick. <laughs> I know that you're, you're, uh, your voice for sure. <laughs> and your experiences, like what um, was affirmed through your experience with your grandfather and how you saw this is a really, really special way to serve with my natural talents and your spiritual gifts. You have an understanding of those. Um, And I think that the combination of understanding those things led you to moments of peace where you're like, 
should I submit this MBA application or not? Does it make sense or not? I think that being faithful to understand what we need to understand about ourselves is a big part of, quote, finding your calling, quote, getting on track. I don't know, understanding what the Lord entrusted you with to use. Um, Like in the parable of the talents, that's something that I really base this practice off of, that the three servants, whenever the master was going away, he just gave them, said, here's my wealth, you know, steward it. And whenever he came back, he might not have communicated this, but he was judging them to the standard of what they did to multiply, not just hoard what they were given. Like not, they weren't judged on, did you mess anything up? Like otherwise the wicked servant that just buried the gold in the ground would have been totally fine because he didn't lose any of the gold, but they were meant to Uh, I'm like overusing the word logic, but logically understand I am going to use like business savvy wisdom of the world too. Like I know how to multiply this wealth, even like invest it or whatever. And I think that's what we're supposed to do with our talents, our spiritual gifts, our personal values, our personality, and all the intricate things that could barely even be summed up by those kind of couple of pillars. And then be faithful with them, which is what you've demonstrated with your story. So very thankful for that. Could go on. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective. And if you just want to shout out the website one more time. www.centerformusictherapy.com can give you lots of information. I'm also on the Instagram. Yes, at, such a good gram. At the side Brussels, which we didn't even talk about at all either. That's my side hustle. Uh, I hate that word, but my side <laughs> wrestle, uh, health and wellness coaching and some other things that I do there. Dude. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel like there's probably, like if we lift up the rug, there's like 10 other hustles well, that you know, have. And we don't. Thinking, giving God as many opportunities as he can to use me. Just like throw this into the air, throw wow. this into the air, and whatever sticks will stick. And we'll go with that. I don't know. Amazing. I'm winging it over here. Oh, well, you better keep up with Emily at the side <laughs> Brussels. <laughs>